You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Justin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody! What's going on? Utopia Football Podcast, Week 13. It is Watson Week. Deshaun Watson is coming to town, and eventually he's going to have to get behind a microphone and talk to the media. We'll talk about that in just a second. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Mornings on Sports Radio 6 and joined as always by my good friend the Hall of Famer, senior Texans columnist for Sports Radio 610.com and gallerysports.com, John McClain. John, how are you doing this afternoon as we get everybody ready for a little Thursday drop of this podcast? I'm doing great. I'm uh I'm uh, I'm not excited about Watson coming cuz I'm so not excited about the Texans because their offense is utterly pathetic. And uh, I've almost felt guilty that I'm not more fired up about it. And uh, I just, uh, back when the schedule came out and I thought the Texans are going to be decent, you know, you and I picked them to go 6-11. I thought they'd be competitive. They might have a chance to play a good game. And now I feel like they're just going to get steamrolled, number one, because the Browns' running game is so good. Number two, I don't think Watson's going to throw 40 passes, but the fact is he's got to get ready for when the games are for real the next week when they play Cincinnati because it's almost like an exhibition or joint practice. So he'll have to throw, I'm guessing, 20, 25 passes, and then Nick Chubb will run all over him. But I'm more interested in the crowd to see how the crowd treats him, how many Browns fans are here, Tony Busby, let everybody know 10 of the plaintiffs are going to be in his suite. You know, do they boo him? But uh, on the field, I don't think the game will even be competitive. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I'm, and the more you talk about it, John, the more angry I get with the Texans that they, the, as, as pathetic as they've been the last few weeks, it's kind of robbed us of whatever joy we were going to have going into this game or whatever anticipation, maybe not joy, maybe joy is the wrong well, word. Excitement, you know, yeah, this excitement. is going to be the only exciting game left. Yeah. And now there's no excitement for it unless you're a Browns fan. The big losers in all this, and I say this as somebody who is married to a season ticket holder, the big losers in all this are the season ticket holders who thought they might at least have one game that they could recoup some of the cost of their season tickets. <laughs> I looked on SeatGeek today during the show. Actually, I need to write that down. I got to do a segment on that tomorrow. Ticket prices. Um, but uh, yeah, you can get, you can get into that stadium for 20, 30 bucks. Uh, if you want to, you can sit down, you, you can sit on the 50 yard line down in the lower bowl for 140 bucks. 
which is crazy for an NFL football game. That's, I that, thought it would be people scalping tickets for this game back when the schedule came out. Nope. Because everybody was going to want to see Watson. Nope. Nope. That's uh, evidently not the case. If it is, if it, if it ends up being the case, then this will be the biggest spike in ticket prices at the end of a week that we've seen in the history of SeatGeek. Um, but, John, before we get into our pregame six-pack, and we'll do a little for real or fugazi to get ready for week 13 of the season, and I want to mix in a little bit of Astros talk as well. Um, Deshaun Watson, uh, as we record this on Wednesday, Deshaun Watson was supposed to meet with the media earlier today. Well, or at least the Browns typically, under Kevin Stefanski, have had Wednesday as the day that their quarterback, whoever it may be, Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, whoever, has met with the media. The Cleveland media got to the building today, and the list of people that were list of players that were going to meet with the media did not include Deshaun Watson. It had Nick Chubb, it had Denzel Ward, it had Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. No Deshaun Watson. So John, um, and when Deshaun was was confronted by the media near his locker to clear some things out of his locker before leaving the building. He did not talk to the media and promptly left the building, according to your friend Tony Grossi, who covers the Browns. Um, you, you've been in the media for a long time, covered hundreds of players, hundreds of press conferences, all this stuff. What are the ramifications for Deshaun if he doesn't meet with the media between now and the game on Sunday? If you are a player who's requested by the media, you have to talk. And the NFL has rules that if two players on a team can be requested and they only have to talk once a week and then after the game. Technically, if you want to, Watson's not one of those players, they could request him every day. Now, there's a fine if the media turns you in. You get a fine of $15,000, but if you're making $230 million guaranteed, you know, that's chicken feed. And I would imagine he's going to talk on Thursday because right when he, – he hasn't built up goodwill, Sean, but uh, the, this one's more about the game and not the lawsuits and the, and the counseling and a $5 million fine. It's all about, okay, he's back. You know, there's nothing we can do about it in the media. So we got to see how does he play? How does he, does he come out? Is he sharp? Is he rusty? But now it's going to all be about him stiffing him. And that's pretty stupid. He should have just gotten it out of the way. And if he didn't want to talk about the past, say, guys, I'll talk about anything about the game, but I'm not talking about the past. I've done it with you twice. I don't have anything else to say. So do I have questions about the game? And if they keep asking him, which they would, he'd say, look, I've already said I'm not talking about that. Next question. Instead, he's got everybody mad at him in northern northeast Ohio, and that's not smart. Yeah, it's just the latest. John, I think Deshaun has shown, obviously shown aside, but like just in terms of handling his business and the people around him handling his business, they've just, this is the latest misstep in just what's been a slew of hundreds of missteps over the last, really the last three years for Deshaun Watson. If we go back and look at the dates of all the lawsuits. Um, so do we think, is there any... Is there any chance this came from the Browns not wanting to put him out there yet with, you know, the news of Busby bringing accusers to the game and and just maybe going through this stuff with him one last time? He was so bad in the first two press conferences that he did with them back in March and in June that if I'm the Browns, I understand not wanting to put him in front of a microphone, but he can't run forever. 
no, he can't run. And I thought that was the Browns' fault because they should have announced this is ongoing legal situation. He cannot talk about the legalities, but he can only talk about football. I was stunned. The Cleveland media was stunned. They thought that's what would happen. Then after he botched so many things the first time, said he didn't have anything to be guilty about or regret, then he did it a second time. But this time you can put parameters on an interview. People can still ask questions and you don't answer it. But if you if you stiff them, you know, I'm guessing he'll talk tomorrow. He'll say he had something he had to get to. Uh, uh, maybe he had some kind of appointment that he had to get to and leave early. And uh, and I think he'll talk tomorrow because the longer he goes, like this is a national story. Everybody's watching Stiff's media. And uh, it's just it's it's not necessary. Yeah, because his this media appearance was big news on the national front this morning. You know, um, Seth and I have the TV on Sports Center in the studio up there at six ten uh, every morning, and that was a topic. That was an ongoing topic, not just on Sports Center, but on Get Up and the other shows. Deshaun Watson expected to meet with the media today, and if all he if it was him just kicking the can down the road for 24 hours, I mean, how, how big a coward do you have to be? It's, it's it's ridiculous. There was talk that he might do it last week to get it out of the way, meaning his first news conference, but that was to, to taken away from the task at hand, which was Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, which they won. And, um, you know, certain things common sense tells you to do. And one of them, when you've earned the wrath, of media and fans all over the country, when you have a chance to not insult them or infuriate them, you don't do it. You yeah. take your medicine. That's part of, of what you're in this situation by your own doing. Yep. And if people are going to, maybe they need another day to prep him for the Busby stuff, but it's pretty easy to give simple answers or no answers. And the thing you don't want to do is not show up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, uh, John, let's get to the game itself. I'm sure Deshaun will come up multiple times between now and the end of this episode of the podcast, but let's get to the game itself. Brown's coming to town on Sunday. They are a seven-point favorite as we sit right now um, uh, against the Houston Texans' uh, noon kick on Sunday. We do a pregame six-pack before each and every Texans game to give you some storylines, wrinkles, people to watch in this game. So, John, I let you go first. As always, the honor is yours. Oh, gosh, there's so much. I'm going to say when I look at this game, based on what's happened the last two games, the most important person is Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton's offense has been the worst I've ever seen in the first half of the last two games. They, If they get off to another bad start, they're going to get booed like crazy. They're going to get booed by more than Watson. He has to do something besides a three and out or a turnover or a handoff Dari Goombawali on the first play. Pep Hamilton has to come out 
in this game and helped them do what they did against Philadelphia, which was undefeated at the time. Two Davis Mills touchdown passes in the first half, one in the first quarter, and I thought, man, this offense has finally turned it around, and now I'm a moron. John, we all are. Uh, it's it, with certain aspects of this team. I just the, the numbers for for some context for people. They've played the, the last five games. In four of them, they've been utterly awful in the first half. The Philadelphia game was the one outlier, as you mentioned. The other four games, Tennessee, uh, the Giants, the Commanders, and the Dolphins last week, in those four games, they've averaged a little under 40 yards in the first half in each of those games, total, total yards. And John, That much? Well, they under four, well, the 86 yards they got against the Giants really helps the overall number. Um, but they, <laughs> true story. Um, but they average, they're averaging just under 40 yards, uh, total yards on offense in the first half of those four games. John, here's the, here's the kicker. The average ranking of those four defenses, according to football outsiders, DVOA rankings, efficiency, 18th. So it's not like they're going against the purple people leaders and the steel curtain and the 85 bears and the 2000 Ravens. Like they're going against on what on the aggregate are defenses that are below average in, in those four games. That's awful. It's just awful. Sean, the, the, uh, they cannot, they, here's what happened and the Titans exposed them. If you've got good interior defensive alignment, you dominate. You put an extra guy in the box, you totally shut down the run, and you're not scared of the quarterback. Now, the Browns are one of the worst teams in the league in run defense. Texans, of course, the worst, even though they're coming off their best game against Miami. But they, the Browns have given up 134 yards a game rushing. If they can't get Damian Pierce back on track, and it's not Pierce, it's the offensive line, if they can't run the ball against the Browns, they're not going to run the ball against anybody. No. Cleveland's defense has been a big disappointment, but Miles Garrett has 10 sacks. Nobody else has three. But, man, oh, man, if they they think about against Philadelphia and uh, the Giants, they averaged – Damian Pierce averaged 116.5 yards a game rushing. And those are two good teams. Yeah. And in fact, every team you mentioned are all good teams that will be or have a good chance to be in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. What they've done to shut down the run by dominating the interior is embarrassing. Yeah. When you're playing Justin McRae, who's terrible, in in place of Kenyon Green, because Green has struggled so bad, that is kind of the ultimate Yeah, what are we doing? Exactly. All right, John, my first one is Damian Pierce. They got to get something out of Damian Pierce. This kind of plays hand-in-hand with your Pep Hamilton take, but you're talking about getting off to a fast start. This is obviously a game, and any game for the Texans is one where they're going to establish the run. I was listening to to Kevin Stefanski's press conference uh, a little earlier before you and I went live, and he, as most coaches do, give their scouting report on the opponent, you know, what they've seen on film for about a minute or two before taking questions. And I would say of the, let's say at 90 seconds that Stefanski spent on the Texans, I would say that 50 to 60 seconds of it was praise of Damian Pierce. And the other 30 was just really him just spewing falsehoods about how good certain other. Now he did mention special teams. Special teams are legit good. So of the couple of minutes he talked, special teams got mentioned. I'm I'm a Frank Ross guy. 
Um, but Damian Pierce, John, has to get going again for this team. Eight yards in each of the last two games is unacceptable, not only for me as a Damian Pierce fan, but those poor fantasy owners out there for Damian Pierce. Let's say a prayer for those people, John. Prayers for Damian Pierce and prayers for people that own him in fantasy. And minus six uh, before he ever gets to the line of scrimmage. It's not Damian Pierce. It's the offensive line. It's Pat Hamilton's play calls. And and uh, Pierce is not all of a sudden a bad runner, but every time he gets the ball, he's getting hit immediately, and especially in the backfield. And I, Sean, I can't understand how the offensive line could do such a good job run blocking in two games and then turn around in the next two games and just get overwhelmed. And Miami's defense is not great, but they do have two ones. Among their pass rushers, they have two ones in those tackle Raquan Davis was a two, but still didn't dominate others like that. So yep. right now, how long have we been talking about the offensive line? We thought the problem was solved in 19, and then it's been a problem in 20, 21, and 22. And I can't understand how players and coaches come and go, and it's still an issue. Yeah, it's been a problem for a long time. I mean, it it predates even 1918. Like, it probably like goes back to like when Dwayne Brown was still here. The offensive line has been a problem. All right, what's your next one, John? Uh, my next one would be Kyle Allen because he's starting his second game. Yeah, he had to be graded with a curve. It was his first game in two years. Plus, he's not very good. He was an undrafted free agent, so I don't know what we expected. People just wanted to see him be better and Davis Mills, and and overall, I don't think he was. I thought he made some good plays. But if you go back, Mills made some good plays. Fact is, their quarterbacking is bad, and they don't help him now with the running game. They don't help him with the pass protection. He was sacked what five times, mm-hmm. and so if 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 you don't have a running game, then and they have everything shut down, and they just tee off on you. I feel sorry for him. They're gonna have to, if they don't double. Miles Garrett all the time, and I don't care which side he's on and who he's going against, he's going to just crush Kyle Allen. Allen's got to get rid of the ball quick. I would never have more than a three-step drop. He has to get rid of it fast. Yep, I would agree. I would agree with that, John. Mine. Uh, you mentioned the pass rush on the Cleveland side. I'm going to go with the pass rush for my next one in the pregame six pack on the Texan side, which has shown signs of life lately, particularly in that Miami game. They they had four sacks of Tua Tungavailoa before they took two out of that game. So that was one of the parts of the defense, one of the few parts of the defense that was actually clicking against uh, Miami during that game through the time that Tua was was out there. Jerry Hughes has been outstanding this year. Malik Collins got a nice push from the inside in that Miami game. Um, and I think, quite honestly, I'm, forget about strategy and football and getting behind the chains and all this. I think there's a lot of Texan fans that want to see Deshaun Watson get hit really, really hard in this game. Point blank, straight up, simple. As as Lovey Smith would say, simple as that, John. I think there are Texan fans that want to see somebody come off the edge and blister Deshaun Watson. If that happens and somebody blisters him and he stays down hurt, will they cheer when Dan Pastorini was here, Dan was a third overall pick, 71, and he stepped into a horrible situation with Bill Peterson, and they were terrible. And they didn't have much talent, and he struggled early, even though he was loaded with talent. Fans cheered when he got hurt, when he was down. Yeah. It was awful. So I'm wondering now, would they cheer if Watson gets hurt and stays down? And 
Uh, what do you think? I think that I, I don't think it'll be like Philly cheering Michael Irvin going down uh, back in the day. Um, I think there will be people to cheer because we're talking about a stadium full of thousands of people and there's always going to be a lower lowest common denominator out there. I think the thing that makes it strange is that I, I think there's a chance that at least half the crowd are Cleveland fans, you know, so so they're obviously not going to be cheering. I don't think if Deshaun goes down, you know, maybe some of them feel a certain kind of way about Deshaun still. Um, but, uh, but if they travel this far to see this game, I'm guessing that they're fans of Watson, the player, at least it's not, you know, even if they're not fans of Watson, the massage patient. So, um, uh, I'm going to say, yes, a smattering, if he goes down and he stays down, there will be a smattering of, of probably likely very drunk fans that do give sort of a Bronx cheer to that whole thing. Can you imagine if he say he got hurt and had to leave, then it's Jacoby Brissett versus Kyle Allen. Hell, half the stadium might just empty. It might be empty anyways, but yeah, no, no, John. Like when you say that to me, I'm like, uh, when you say, imagine it's Jacoby Brissett versus Kyle Allen. I'm so desensitized to the crappiness of all this right now. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sucks. Guess what else has sucked? The last eight games, they've all sucked. <laughs> it's been terrible <laughs> or whatever it's been since they actually won a game. All right, John, last one for you, pregame six-pack. Um, I think they that uh, the Browns have really one receiver that can count on Amari Cooper made mm-hmm. two great plays in overtime on catches from Jacoby Brissett. First one wiped out because he stepped out of bounds. They've got to be able to cover him because you know Watson's going to throw the ball to him a lot. And I don't know if Derek Stingley's coming back. He was not on the field Wednesday when the media was there, but Lovey Smith let slip about the possibility of him covering Cooper. Whoever it is who's covering Cooper, and I think you should double him. They can't let Amari Cooper beat him down the field. This team has been good about not giving up big pass plays for touchdowns. You know, Tyreek Hill didn't score. Jalen Waddle didn't score. The longest play they allowed was 34 yards, and Waddle was covered great. Bam J. Stewart made a fantastic catch, and Cooper likes the deep ball. They can't let Amari Cooper beat them. Let uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones or David Njoku or, or – you know, then you know the Browns going to run the ball a lot with Nick Chubb, but don't let Cooper. So I would say whoever is covering Cooper has got to be able to play a really good game. Did you see the catch that Njoku made that touchdown catch in the last game, John, against Tampa Bay? I did not. Holy smokes! It was a one-handed catch. It was a really good catch. That that contract got a lot of heat from Cleveland people. That contract that they gave Njoku this off season, um, and uh, and he's. I don't know. I I don't know what his overall stats are, but man, he makes plays sometimes that really that really pop. When I think of Njoku now, I think of uh, Pharaoh Brown saying that uh, he wants to get that bag like Njoku and make some catches this year. I guess he has to be on a team to do that. I think he's on Cleveland now. He's actually, on the for... Browns. Yes. Does he play? Uh, I have no idea. And see- Njoku, I don't know if he's been hurt, but he doesn't have an inordinate number of catches. There's. There's Cooper, and then there's a big drop-off yeah. between Peoples-Jones, who's second, and Joku's third. Well, that's the Texans' defense can be star makers, John, as we've learned throughout this season. They'll, if guys don't have catches, they can gear up and get some against the uh, – against. I'm guessing Durham Smythe didn't have a ton of catches for the Dolphins, and he caught the first touchdown of the game on, on, <laughs> on Sunday. Um, last one for me, John, I'll always mix it in. We mentioned special teams earlier. Texans right now on, on Football Outsiders, they are sixth – on special teams. So Frank Ross continues to 
do good things with that team. And they made some plays in the second half of that game in the return game against the Dolphins to at least get the Texans to within shouting distance. Cleveland's special teams are not good. They are 25th. So if the Texans are going to pull off the upset, John, plays on special teams. They need to score at least one touchdown in each half and maybe more for the Texans to win a game. <laughs> the special teams do? You need two yeah. touchdowns from special teams? At least two for the Texans <laughs> to have a chance to win. Oh, my God. All right, John, what's your prediction for this thing? Uh, I'm going to predict the uh, – um, let's see, since uh, since Miami had 30 at home, I'm going to say the Browns have 27 and Texans have 13. I have 30 to 13, John. You and I are simpatico on this. I have 30 to 13 on my – Great minds think alike. You got that right. You got that great minds think alike, like 6 and 11 for the Texans in 2022. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Which we had to do over. I know. All right, John, you want to do a few uh, for real or fugazi bullet points before we get out of here? For real. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Um, John, if the Texans fire – okay, by the way, for those who don't know what for real or fugazi is, I read a sentence or a thought that I have to John. He tells me if he agrees or it makes sense, for real, or he tells me if I'm off my rocker, he disagrees. Fugazi. Fugazi being Italian for counterfeit or phony. Uh, John, if the Texans fire Lovey Smith, they need to hire a head coach with an offensive pedigree. For real or Fugazi? Fugazi. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. There's defensive coaches out there have done well. You need a good offensive coordinator. You need a guy who can call plays and has been a good quarterback coach. And if you get the right guy, your your things are going great. And people go, well, if you do that and he does well, then he's going to leave to be a head coach. Well, you know what? Teams that are good have have guys that leave their staff all the time. It happens to Bill Belichick. Now it's happened to Kyle Shanahan. It's happened to Sean McVay. So, no, that would preclude them from bringing in D'Amico Ryans. And I think that if they drafted uh, Bryce Young first – and hired D'Amico Ryans that we unite the fan base like since Gary Kubiak came. Yep, I would agree. I agree with the last thing that you said there, too. And, I, and I'm with you, John. I'm, I, I would love to see D'Amico get this job. But what I did learn just now is there's for real, Fugazi, and then Fugazi, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's three categories now. <laughs> uh, all right, John. Uh, for real or Fugazi, Deshaun Watson not meeting with the media today was cowardly. For real or forget? Uh, that's for real. He should have come in there, done it. I'm surprised. You know, he always met with the media here when he was supposed to, even after he had a rare bad game or a tough loss. And up there, he's met with the media twice. He's gotten bombarded with every tough, negative question he could get uh, bombarded with. He didn't always answer them the way he should, but he was fearless. And now for him to duck out, uh, I'm surprised. That's why I expect him to be back on Thursday. Yeah, it'll be interesting, John. If he's back, I mean, he's got to do it between. He's got to do it Thursday or Friday, right? If people are requesting it. Hey, if he gets fined, he pays fifteen grand. Does he care? Of course. Not. No, he did. He, he got fined five million dollars for all his off the field issues. <laughs> That's nothing. Yeah. Oh my God. All right, John. One more NFL one. Then I've got a. I got a couple baseball ones here. I've got uh, college football, and even have a Christmas one for you. Um. For real or Fugazi, John, this one of the more interesting games this week is the Jags versus the Lions. They're both four and seven. They're both teams that were picking one and two in the draft last year, but they both seem to be moving in a direction where things are getting a little more positive. For real or Fugazi, the winner of this Jags-Lions game will have a narrative this coming week that they have turned the corner. For real or Fugazi? 
Fugazi. They're the Lions and the Jaguars. They're never going to have have that kind of storyline until they actually do it because both of them are capable of stinking it up. The Jaguars got beat by the Texans for crying out loud for the ninth consecutive time. Beat the Texans and when they play here, then they've turned the corners. For the Lions, it was fun watching them on Thanksgiving. Yep. People like Dan Campbell, but they're the Lions. They could finish in second in the division, but Boy, I'm going to need to see them have a winning record before I think they've turned a corner. John, for real or Fugazi, impromptu, the winning streak against the Jaguars might be the only thing that sustains us as in terms of positivity for Texan fans between now and the end of the year. Fugazi, I don't think anything's going to sustain First pick Texans in the draft, fans. John. First pick Fugazi, in the draft, that'll sustain. Yeah, well, they're during the season, but yeah. uh, I don't think anything's going to sustain them because the offense has been so – Utterly pathetic. Now, if they removed Pep Hamilton as a play caller and say gave it to Ben McDaniels or or Miles Smith, I don't care. Anybody who couldn't be any worse, then we would at least be interested. But man, I expect the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence to whip them and end that streak and start a streak of their own. Couple Astro ones here, John. They we know that they just signed for real. They just <laughs> they just signed they just signed Jose Abreu this week. And Jim Crane, the owner, said they've still got more work to do. If he is cheap enough, Cody Bellinger should be on the Astros' radar, for real or Fugazi? Um, for real, because he wants a one-year contract. He wants to reestablish himself. He's a former MVP. He's been bad the last two years. And I would love to see him on the Astros' roster because I can't wait for him to come here and see have the media ask him the questions about being so outspoken in 2017 about the Astros cheating when he was awful, awful in the World Series. And that's a for real, not a fugazi. Do do you think that if Cody Bellinger signed with the Astros, that at least for the first couple games, some Astro fans would boo him just to get it out of their system and then stop booing him? Or once he's on the Astros, is he booing immune? Oh boy, he was he's hated. Very, he's hated, hated, very John. outspoken. Yes, but you know what? Did Carlos Correa get booed in Minnesota? No. Do all those former yeah, but he wasn't talking trash about the Twins. No, no. but he cheated and couldn't correct. No, you're right. Uh, you're right. Uh, yes, I think there would be some people who would boo him, get so. it out of their system, and then they would cheer for him. But, you know, it's been a while since he's been any good, but I think he's just 26 years old. Getting him for one year and they need another center fielder, he's not my ideal choice. No, me neither. But uh, it sure would be interesting to talk about, wouldn't it? It would, John, that would be, it would be fascinating to talk about. There's very little this team can do right now to, to, get the fan base turned sideways against them at all. Like the, John, they're about to lose the American League Cy Young Award winner. My guess is because they just don't want to sign him to the money that he's looking for, and they've got all this pitching. Like They they, they can let Justin Verlander walk, and people are like, in Jim we trust, in, you know, in Dusty we trust, and all this stuff. That is the one thing. That is the one legal thing that the Astros could do and get at least a portion of the fans, I won't say turned against them, but – that would at least have them feeling a certain kind of way about the Astros signing Cody Bellinger. Like, honestly, even like forget about him being a free agent, pretend that he's still with the Dodgers right now. If you were to do a power ranking of players that 
Astro fans would least want on the Houston Astros. Bellinger might have been at the top of it, like at the beginning of last season. I don't think he would have been, but the first time he gets a hit, they'll give him a big ovation because that I don't think anything the Astros can do is really going to make people mad. I think fans love oh, talking about yeah. that stuff. And once they, and if it happens, say if it happened at the winter meetings, and then by the time spring training gets here in in February, and the full squad gets there and they start playing, I think by the time the regular season starts, yeah, I just I they they'll see him in a. They'll see him before the season starts because they always play games there. I'm guessing they would get the booing out from the exhibition games oh. and get it out of their system before they 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 uh, have the first pitch for real. Oh my God, that would just be boy, that would be the ultimate heat check by Jim Crane signing Cody Bellinger. The ultimate heat check, John. I'm just I'm thinking. I don't a, think he's going to do it. I don't. I don't think, think he, he is either. But I'm trying to put this in terms of my other teams that I love. Scott Boras his agent. I think he is. Probably. He's everybody I else. Think this is, I think this is Boris leaking it, trying to, you know, oh, you're, oh my goodness, this guy's going to the Astros. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to go to the Astros? We better give him $10 more million. That would be like back in the late 80s at Notre Dame if they just knocked Mary off the top of the dome and put Jimmy Johnson's statue on top of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. And you brought up Verlander. Yeah. Never has there been a great pitcher that people are so conditioned to losing that when he goes, people are going to wish him the best and kind of yawn and say, okay, let's get on with our next six stars. Yeah, and, and you know what? And God forbid Framber all of a sudden turn into Framber of 2019 or 2020 again. He's okay in 2020. I shouldn't say that. But, I mean, you you let Verlander walk. You're counting on Framber now being your ace and Lance McCullers being healthy and Javier being what he was in all those starts towards the end of the year. So there's there there it's, it's not without risk, but – um, I look for Javier, excuse me, and Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown, I think, is going to be tremendous. And if they put him in that rotation, he might end up being their second-best pitcher. And I think, too, there gets to start every fifth day. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna be tremendous. For real or Fugazi, John, Astro fans should at least be a little concerned that Jeff Bagwell has so much influence with owner Jim Crane. For Gaze, because I don't think if he's the one who told him to re-sign Montero, who was a had a tremendous season, considering he was an afterthought in the grave Ken, what's Kendall Graveman? Kendall Graveman trade, yep. Yeah, then he was just a throw-in, and he's been tremendous because they have great pitching coaches. And Bagwell is so smart. Anybody that listens to him do the TV broadcasts know. Uh, he's not your typical player. I hear so many guys on MLB Network, MLB TV, and, and NFL Radio who are not as analytical as Bagwell. And I think uh, he's not – even if he says to Crane, okay, uh, I think he should re-sign Correa. He wasn't going to do that. I think he should re-sign Springer. I don't think he said let those guys go. So I think it's good because they're going to, he's got three assistant general managers and he's going to hire another one. And I think Bagwell is just in the mix and he's getting a lot of attention right now because he's Jeff Bagwell. When you parade him up there at a news conference, like they did when they announced Jose Abreu, they're obviously proud of it. And considering he is my all time favorite Astro, I'm yeah. glad, I'm glad they're relying on him. I knew that when I brought this for real or for Gazy up, John, I know you're very fond of Jeff Bagwell. Um, John, if TCU loses a close game in the Big 12 championship game this weekend to Kansas State, they should still be in the college football playoff. For real or Fugazi? 
for real because I think this, after watching Ohio State be favored over Michigan and just get pounded when Michigan didn't have its leading rusher, Blake Corum, who scored 18 touchdowns, uh, I wouldn't put Ohio State in there. And now they're just itching to get Ohio State, Alabama. They want things to break where they don't have to put TCU in there. Yep. And if TCU loses a close game, while I think they should be in it with one one loss, they're going to take another one loss team and pass them up. TCU's fun to watch. I don't know what the they deal sure is. Are. They they are fun to watch. And John, I would with that Browns pick that the Texans have, I would keep a, a close eye on Quentin Johnston, their wide receiver. He is a really really good football player. I would too, Sean, but the problem is can't, as bad as their defensive line is yeah. and stopping the run, they've got to have a second defensive tackle. They've got to have another pass rusher. Jerry Hughes will be 34 next year. Uh, Jonathan Grenard's been hurt two years in a row. You've got to work on that defensive line. I'd be surprised if they take two offensive players in the first round, especially considering they think so highly of John Mechie coming back from uh, leukemia. But uh, I think it'll be split. Wouldn't Jalen Carter? You know, think about what it would have been like if Davis Mills had just played well enough to do it one more year while mm-hmm. they drafted Jalen Carter for defensive tackle and then took one of the great receivers 10th overall. Well, John, I, I, let me make a counterpoint to that. I, I get what you're saying. And I'm, and I've watched every snap of this defense, just like you have and think that the, the front seven's an abomination. I, I would say this one, I think you can rebuild the offensive line and defensive line through shrewd free agency moves quicker than you can. Maybe just skill positions. Um, by signing some veteran guys that are run stuffers, you're not, you know, you, you need some edge help too. Um, so I, I, and they're going to have a ton of money to spend in free agency. I would fix the defensive line or try to through free agency and then draft quarterback and draft Johnston because those are the two positions now that are the most premium positions out there in the league. We've seen wide receiver, John marquee wide receiver is almost to the level of quarterback in terms of what teams will give up to get one. We've seen it with Tyree kill and Devontae Adams to a lesser extent with AJ Brown. Um, you know, teams trying to get these, these, these game changing wide receivers to go with the quarterback. You draft Bryce young at one and Quentin Johnston at whatever. And you've got what you hope are your two game breakers at those two most important positions that can really unlock a lot of things offensively for five years on rookie contracts. That, that, that would be my counterpoint to that. That's a good point. And I'll counter your counter with AJ Brown was a second round pick and Tyree kill was a five. Yep. No, you're right. That's true. They do have the first pick. It where well, they do. Of course yep. they're going to have the first pick in the second round. Yep. And I'm guessing that Casario will have enough money to spend big on two free agents. Yep. Because these mid-level guys, they got plenty of them. I think Malik Collins was a good move, but they have to get a better tackle and they need an end. And usually if you get a tackle who can stop the run in free agency, you can find other pass rushers. So I would still say they need an end more than they need a tackle in the draft. They need receiver. They only need a tight end. And then yeah. maybe maybe with 10 or Cleveland's pick could be 15. They take the mayor from Notre Dame. By I would like that too. Tight end because they need that as well. The good thing is on draft, the three days of the draft, they can't go wrong. Now, they may have gone wrong when they play, but at least for then, people are going to be so fired up or the antithesis 
of where we are right now. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. No doubt about that. All right, John, last one for real or Fugazi Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer is a holiday staple to be treasured for real or Fugazi. Oh, absolutely. Who wouldn't think that was Seth Payne. That's who Seth Payne hates off the red nosed reindeer. Oh my goodness. He must've had to hear it so much when he was a child. No, no, I'm, talking, that... I'm not talking about the song. I'm talking about the TV show. Oh, the TV show. The, the movie. The, oh, I don't watch cartoons like that. I'm going to say. It's a claymation, John. It's claymation. It's not cartoons. You know, whatever it is. Carol Carol watches that. She saves them, and then she records them again yeah. in case something happens on a thunderstorm and she loses them. <laughs> Amy does if the I same thing. Listen, if I have to watch White Christmas or listen to the, the Grinch or those again, I'm going to pass out okay so they've so now that i now that you i know, agree I, with seth 100 percent, but i've never seen it so truthfully i wouldn't know okay no but i but i just need you to say fugazi one more time john fugazi. yeah i knew that's it. a I fugazi <laughs> all right uh that's good something you and seth can agree on right there john i'm gonna bring Absolutely. that up next wednesday <laughs> rudolph's rudolph the claymation movie sucks all right there you go amy does the same thing john she records all the christmas specials on our dvr and i'm like okay first of all you've watched all these 50 times secondly you watch them as they're being played here and then you still save them on the dvr thirdly there's eight jillion places you can go watch this on youtube or on hulu or everywhere else does she get defensive like carol does if i bring it up i bring up the grant she jumps down my throat so i don't say anything and um it, it's amazing to me. I keep watching or listening, thinking, well, might the ending be different on this one? Could White <laughs> Christmas, could something happen at the end of White Christmas with it's not yes. the same? You know, I like Christmas movies like Bad Santa. Elf. <laughs> Give me Bad Santa over anything involving Rudolph or the Grinch. Oh, uh, all right. That is uh, that is the great one. John McClain right there. Uh, John, what do you got going on on your various platforms? Uh, I'm, I've written for Sports Radio 610 on and analyzing the game with Watson, what's going to happen to both teams. And then I'm going to have a column on Watson for uh, Gallery Sports. And I'm doing an Astros column, but I think uh, maybe not this year, but I think that J- Brad Osmus is going to be in this organization. Good chance he'll be the next general manager. All right, there you go. That's some good stuff, some good provocative stuff from John McClain. GalleriesSports.com, SportsRadio610.com. We big we give a big thanks to Figgy Fig for getting this podcast uh, out to all of you. Uh, thank you, Figgy, for doing that. Uh, and we will be back on Monday morning, bright and early, with a recap of whatever it is that happens at NRG Stadium this Sunday. There's no doubt it's going to be, at the very least, an intriguing day to be out at the stadium. I don't know what the game's going to look like, but the whole spectacle of the game and the crowd and everything else should be fascinating. We'll have it all covered for you here on the Utopia Football Podcast. Drop us an email with a question for our mailbag episode. We do a mailbag the middle of the week each week. We record on Tuesdays. Get us your questions to mailbag at gmail.com. For John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. Enjoy the game this weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Utopia Football Podcast.